Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Okay, James chapter 1 verse 22, a very well-known verse, but be doers of the word and not... And not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. When we're hearers only, it goes on to say, deceiving yourselves. In other words, if we've only got the word coming in, but there's nothing that is producing on the other side of it, the Bible's telling us here that we're living in self-deception. And Jesus summed up the whole of the the greatest sermon he ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, with one story. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, on Matthew chapter 7, he says this, He that hears my words but doesn't put them into practice is like the man who built his house on the sand. And when the wind came, the storms came, the rain came, the house fell over. And so what Jesus was saying is that it's no good just listening to the word, He said, when you put the word into practice, you're going to build a life that is unbreakable. Who wants an unbreakable life? I've been broken so many times over my lifetime that I want to live an unbreakable life. And God says, this is how you do it. When God speaks to you, do what he asks you to do. And you're going to find an incredible outcome for your life. So today I'm moving into the third shift of five prophetic shifts that I got during the lockdown as God was speaking to me and he was saying to me, these shifts are what I'm about to do in the body of Christ locally and globally. And the third shift that we're concentrating on today is to shift from being hearers only to being doers also. Now, I want to tell you something. It's not easy uh, preaching on prophetic uh, insight because you know why? Because whenever God speaks prophetically, guess guess what's required? Change. Change. So like I'm standing up here every week asking us to change through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you can get annoyed at me for that. But if you, he who has ears to hear, Let him hear what the Spirit is saying. I guarantee somewhere in the message today, there's something for you that the Holy Spirit wants to apply into your life today. And so that's what we're heading for. Now, I guess every single one of us today would have to be grouped uh, into the category, none of us have carried this verse out to perfection. All of us at some stage have had inconsistencies between hearing what God is saying to us and actually putting it into practice. How many of you would own up to that today? We've all all had areas of inconsistency within our life. And listen, this has been in the Word of God ever since the Scriptures and the New Testament were put together, the book of James has been a very, very well-known book, and these verses have been well-known. So my question is, why now, God? 
Why now are you emphasizing to the body of Christ you want to shift them from being hearers only to being doers also? And that's what I'm going to share with you today. Because that's what the prophetic is all about. The prophetic is all about what is on God's heart now that he's communicating to me that I need to listen to and put into practice so I can receive the benefits of the blessing. So the Holy Spirit is placing his magnifying glass. And when I asked the Lord that question, basically this is what the Lord said to me personally. He said, James, consumerism has been rife in the Western Hemisphere Church. Now I've ministered a lot through uh, Central Asia, Southeast Asia for over 30 years. And I've seen... The majority of people in that part of the world be not hearers only, but being doers also. And as a result of that, I've seen the revival fires of the Holy Spirit sweep through those nations because of this one key factor, is that they put into practice what God tells them to do. And we're going to discover a little bit why as we actually magnify this in the book of James and see what James tells us. But this is what I felt the Lord say to me. This word is for the Western church right now because consumerism has been so rife that it's built a supermarket mentality in the body of Christ by Christians saying, Pastor, what can your church do for me? Do you remember that great cliche in American politics? You know? Which was, it's, it's, not what you, it's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And you, can, you could transpose the kingdom of God into that. It's not what the kingdom of God can do for you, but it's what you can do for the kingdom of God that God is beginning to speak to us about. And so God wants to break the back of consumerism and our Christianity because there's no place for it. We can buy till we die. We can spend to the end. And we can be filled with want, want, want. You know, the average person has 4,000 advertisements thrown into their face every day through some medium or or, or what. And so it's built a whole mentality around us in the Western, and it's crept into the church. So we're no longer servants of Christ, but we're there to be served. Which is not what Jesus said. He said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant to everyone. Amen? The way up in the kingdom of God is the way down. It's to learn to serve first. And Jesus demonstrated that by washing the feet of his own disciples and followers. And so it's challenging stuff when we begin to break it down. And so uh, we lose sight of the fact many times that we are the church. When we refer to what can the church do for me, we forget, you're, you're the, if you know Jesus, you are the church. I'm the church. We are part of the church of Jesus Christ. We're part of his body when we receive him. And so uh, it's very easy for us with a consumer mentality to consume Christian content to watch great messages, dynamic preachers from around the world. There's one thing that's taken place, and many pastors have become insecure because all the great 
uh, preachers of the world are now online everywhere and pastors are afraid that they'll lose their flock because everybody's flocking to the great preachers that are online. And so we can consume content, we can consume Bible studies, but if there's not an output that's coming as a result of the input, then we've just become consumers. And Christ is wanting to shift the equation from being consumers, spiritual consumers, to being spiritual contributors. That's a big shift in people's mentality. And let me tell you, you know, every church should have a hospital arm. Because we're not always in tip-top shape 100% of the time. So there are valid times in your life where you can't produce because you're out for the count because something's gone down in your life that God wants to fix, that God wants to heal you of, and you are then in need of some loving, tender care and attention from the rest of the body. Can someone say an amen today? But what is wrong is when we end up staying at hospital like it's a resort. You're only supposed to go into hospital for a season and then you're supposed to come out, fix, well, healthy and be a functioning, contributing member of society. And in the same way, the church is not just there to be a hospital. The church is there to make an influential impact, to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, amen, to demonstrate Jesus to our community. Praise God this morning. So I'm going to read this, this great passage from the book of James from the message translation. Uh, it's got a couple of great nuances on this modern translation. James 1 verse 21 should be up on screen. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil into the garbage. That's your Adamic nature. Are you human this morning? If you're human this morning and you're here and you're not an android or a robot or something else like that, we all have spoiled virtue and the ability to do cancerous evil as part of our Adamic nature. James says, throw it in the garbage. It's only going to hurt you and hurt others. Listen to this. In simple humility, let our gardener God, landscape you with the Word. Let our gardener, God, landscape you with the Word, making a salvation garden of your life. The traditional translation that says, let the implanted Word work in you. So God's plan is that he wants to landscape, sculpture, and mold our lives through the power of the Word working in us and through us. Hallelujah. So get ready for some landscaping. Get ready for that rake. <laughs> because to get it looking good, he's going to have to turn some soil over and there may be some ouch moments. Verse 22, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you're anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. 
Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. Some of us go, yeah, that's, that's for sure. Verse 25, but whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, this is the word, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it. Catch a glimpse. You stick with it. Is no distracted scatterbrain. <laughs> this is not the time for blonde jokes, by the way. Is no distracted scatterbrain. But a man or woman of action, that person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Wow. Let me read that last verse in the more traditional New King James Version. Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, listen to this, this one will be blessed in what he does. This morning as a son of God, I have inherited a blessing because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished on my behalf. I don't have to try and be blessed. I am blessed because through Christ, I've received all of the blessings of God in Him. But I want to tell you, James is adding to this. And on top of this, he's saying, if you're prepared not to be a forgetful hearer, if you're prepared to allow God to landscape through the Word working in your heart by not forgetting what you're hearing, but putting it into practice, then God is going to command a blessed life around you. You are going to live a blessed life. You're going to carry something of the Father upon your life because you've heard the Word and you've become a doer of the Word and you're putting the Word into practice. And I want to take a simple glance at one of the most famous stories of the Bible throughout the world. 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath this morning. And let me give you a bit of backdrop because... The reason why I've chosen David this morning is that right through David's life until he hit a bump in the road where he no longer acted on the word and it got him into huge trouble. At a time when kings go out to war, David decided to stay home and let somebody else do the work of God instead of being the general and commander in chief of his army. And he starts... He starts perving across the rooftops at a beautiful woman having, ha having a bath. And one thing leads to another and a whole series of incredibly detrimental sin hit his family and became a generational curse within his life. Why? Because David failed to act on the word. At a time when kings went out to war, David stayed home. But right from when he was a young man, the youngest in all of his family, with only an audience of one, God himself, no crowds, no adulation. He took out the lion and he took out the bear when they came to steal the lambs out of his father's flock. You see, David wasn't motivated by selfish ambition. His audience was God. And he lived his life with integrity towards God. And whatever he heard from God, he put into practice in his life. And so his brothers, three of his older brothers, 
are soldiers in Saul's army, and they've gone to war against the Philistines, the arch enemy of the children of Israel. And they're in the valley of Elah, and the valley of Elah, the valley, the word Elah means strong oak. So what was this all about? It was about who was going to prove to be an oak of righteousness in this face-off that took place between the Philistines and the children of Israel. So his dad says to him, son, I want you to go up and see how your brothers are doing. Take them some of mum's home cooking. So David heads off and he says, I want you to bring back news of what's going on. Unfortunately for Goliath, David turns up right at the time that, that Goliath is taunting, abusing, shaming the honour of God and the children of Israel by standing out there, calling them all sorts of names under the sun and saying, send a man out to fight me. If, if he beats me, if he beats me, we will serve you. If I beat him, then all the children of Israel are going to be enslaved to the Philistine people. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not sure if I'd like to be the one that would have a go, knowing that if I lost, my whole nation's going to go into slavery. Big call. No wonder nobody was volunteering to stand up to the plate. And so this is what's happening. He arrives, Goliath steps out of the ranks into the valley, taunts the nation, Israel on one side, Philistines on the other, this is what we commonly call a standoff. A standoff. Now listen to this, church. The children of Israel were just like the local church. They had been given the oracles of God. They had been given the Ten Commandments, the law. They had a history of miracle after miracle in their archives of what God had done in the nation, but nobody was willing to put the word into practice. Nobody was willing to say, in behind closed doors, they were saying, our God's the greatest, our God's the best, our God can defeat any of the other gods. But when it came down to it, nobody was willing to be a doer of the word and put themselves out there against Goliath. And this 17-year-old kid turns up and he gets mad as a hatter when he hears Goliath insulting the children of Israel and insulting the name of the Lord. And he begins to, he begins to talk to everybody. What, what's going to be done for the man that takes this guy out? Are you guys listening to this? Why isn't anybody doing anything? Because they've become hearers of the word only and everybody had forgotten how to be a practical follower of Jehovah. Nobody was willing to be a doer of the word. You know, do you sometimes feel like that your life is at a standoff? There's not a lot of action happening. There's some things that are kind of niggling you under the surface that God spoke to you about a long time ago, but you haven't really got round to actually actioning it or doing something about it and you've left it and it's just sitting there under the surface and you're wondering why, why does my life feel like I'm at a standoff? You know, why are all these things happening around about my life where I feel like I'm at a standoff with my finances? I feel like I'm at a standoff with, with my relationships. I feel like I'm at a standoff with my family. This would have never happened 
if the one who was responsible, who in fact was the one who was more qualified than any of the other ones, you know what his name was? King Saul. When King Saul was anointed king, the Bible clearly says he was head and shoulders above every other man in Israel. Goliath was around nine and a half feet tall. Now, he wore a coat of armor that weighed about 75 kilograms, which is many of the, some of the body weight of people in here that he just wore as his armor. He was a big guy. But you know what? King Saul, King Saul, when he had been anointed by God, was an amazing king. And we begin to realize there's trouble in the ranks because before 1 Samuel 17, do you know what comes before that? 1 Samuel 16. <laughs> and 1 Samuel 16, I think it's verse 14, says, The Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. So Saul's running on an empty tank. Saul's lost the anointing of God around about his life. As the leader is... So his army will follow. He'd lost his courage. He'd lost his faith. And as a result, it turns out that he was actually willing to send a 17-year-old kid out to face this giant. He even tried to put his own armor, which he knew wouldn't fit David, on him, like so many of us do, trying to fit our own perceptions on top of people's lives, when that's something God gave to you, not to them. And we try and force and impose ourselves upon other people. And so as a result of this, there was no courage in the ranks. There was no one who was willing to risk at all because the anointing had gone from King Saul's life and he was no longer a doer of the word. He was a hearer only. Is everybody with me still? So I've got three short points. When I say short, shorter than the average sermon. <laughs> three keys that demonstrate why David became the man that he was. And the first point is this. First Samuel, verse 24 of chapter 17 says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw Goliath, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. A doer of the word never gives any place to the devil. David was a doer of the word. He could not stand the fact that the devil had gained a foothold over the whole nation. Everyone was paralyzed by fear. Nobody would move, even though in their heads and in their theory, they believed that their God was greater than the God of the Philistines. Nobody was prepared to actually put it into action and test that. David knew, David knew ahead of time, Ephesians 4.27, give no place to the devil. Another translation says, do not give the devil a foothold within your life. David arrived and he was saying, what are you guys doing? You're giving this guy a foothold? He's holding the whole nation to ransom. Where is your God? Where is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You're allowing this guy to hold us to ransom? David was angry, so much so that the king heard about it and called for David for a personal audience with him. Wow. Fear, what is fear? It's 
Here's an acronym for fear. False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. They were looking at the size of the man instead of looking at the size of their God. And as a result, they were no longer active in their personal walk and relationship with God. Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Daniel 11.32, Daniel says this, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. This is the word of God that they were able to utilize had they been willing to not just be hearers only, but to be doers also. And here's the truth, friends. When you become a hearer of the word only and not a doer also, you, became vul- you become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy within your life. If you're not prepared to put God's word into action, then the devil will use every handle that you give him and it will become a foothold within your life. And you're asking yourself this morning, why? Yeah, why has that been going on in my life? It's because you've stopped acting on what you know God has told you to do. As somebody once said, delayed obedience is even disobedience. When God has said, I want you to do something now, and you keep putting it off and procrastinating and procrastinating, Delayed obedience is disobedience. We often judge others on their actions and judge ourselves on our intentions. I intended to do that. And so we let ourselves off the hook, but we're quick to judge other people on their actions, but only ourselves on our intentions. Guilty as charged. So it comes down as... Uh, David's brother hears him and he accuses him. He says, you only wanted to come down to the battle because your heart is full of pride and you're an insolent young man. Pride and insolence. You know how David responds to him? And this leads into our second point. David said to his brother, what have I done now? Obviously his brothers have had a go at him before. Sibling rivalry. You know, you ever hear that parents raising your kids? What have I done now? (laughs) If somebody else is having a go at you, this is what he says. Is there not a cause, church? What have I done now? Is there not a cause? The reason I'm mad as a hatter because there is a cause here and it is the freedom of our nation. We already spent 400 years under Pharaoh. We're not going to spend another year or another month under somebody else's tyranny because there is a cause, there is a battle, there is a purpose here for my life and that is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so a doer of the word, point number two, has not forgotten there is a cause. Right now the church of Jesus Christ should be plundering hell to populate heaven, but we're not. We've lost our heart. When's the last time you can honestly say that you shed tears for somebody going to a lost eternity? When's the last time you had compassion knowing someone's confession that by their confession you know there's no way if they were to die today that they would go to heaven to an eternity with God? 
We've lost our compassion. We've lost our purpose. We've lost the reason for the cause of the kingdom of God. Jesus said that the kingdom is here now. It's here now. He said, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Hallelujah. In the business world, that means keep trading, keep doing business. In the spiritual world, that means keep acting on the Word of God, keep being an active soldier for Jesus Christ because certainly there is a cause here and we cannot allow it to slip out of our fingers. Proverbs 29 verse 18, without a vision, the people perish. Another translation says, without any ongoing revelation, we cast off restraint. When's the last time God spoke something so clear to you that it lodged so clear in your spirit? It wasn't the preacher speaking to you. It wasn't a friend sending you a Facebook message or a text. But it came directly because you were sitting at the feet of Jesus. You were praying. You were waiting on God. And God rifled a fresh revelation into your spirit. Do you know what happens when that happens? Your heart gets gripped by God. And a cause enters your spirit. You can't deny it. And suddenly you're living for purpose every single day of your life. Because God has lodged something of himself inside of you. You see, David had already proven He'd already proven in his own way that his God was greater than that giant who was out there taunting the people of Israel. I love what Martin Luther King said once. He said this, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. Whatever you do, keep moving forward. Don't lose sight of the cause and the purpose for which God has called you forward. And lastly this morning, told you, lastly this morning, praise God. The shortest word ever, Pastor James. A doer of the word does not look at the size of his opposition, but focuses on the size of his faith in God. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 17, 33. Saul's talking to David and he's saying this, he's trying to dissuade him out of it. He's saying this, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Can you hear the unbelief? He's supposed to be encouraging him. You're just a youth and he's a man of war from his youth. There you go. There's a snapshot right there of where King Saul was really at. He was comparing the size of David and his experience against the size of the opposition. God didn't even factor into the equation. Where was God in all of this? He discounted God out of the picture and he was just looking at man on man. Man on man, this is just a kid. This is just a boy. He's never going to be able to do anything against that seasoned giant warrior. You see, that's not what David had already built his faith on. Did you know, if you look, if you look up Mr. Google, and you look up how tall is a, a fully grown mature lion when it stretches out on its hind feet? Do you know how tall it is? It's about nine feet tall. And it's exactly the same with a full-grown bear. And David had already killed the bear. David had already killed the lion. He already knew that his God was bigger than this this foul-mouthed Philistine that was mocking the children of Israel and mocking the honour in the name of God and bringing shame to the nation. 
He already knew that his God was way bigger than this giant and he wasn't basing the battle on whether he had the skill and the goods. He just knew that his God was greater. He took five stones with him into the battle. He only had to use one. Do you know how much precision it takes to cause a, a, a stone to lodge in the forehead enough to be able to break through that nice big bone that you've got on the front of your head? I tell you what, it takes a lot of skill and a lot of velocity. It takes the supernatural hand of God upon a young shepherd boy who used the tools that he had in his tool belt to defeat the lion because he was a doer of the word and not a hearer only. <sighs> Praise God. David says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. This is what happens when we become hearers only. And this is hard for any of us to hear, but this is the truth. We become a prisoner inside our own faith. Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The word know in the original Greek literally means to experience the truth. You can quote the Bible till the cows come home, but experientially the word will not mean anything to, until you act upon the word. And when you and I act upon the word of God, it becomes experiential. It becomes part of our testimony and we become doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves this morning. The whole nation was paralyzed because of their unbelief and their unwillingness to act upon the word. I want to remind you, the Apostle James says, the one who is not a forgetful hearer but puts my words into action will command a life of blessing around about him. So if you're not experiencing a life of blessing, what does that even mean? It means that you're regularly seeing something of the supernatural beyond the natural realm touching your life in some way. That's what the blessing of God is. It's the favor, the kindness, and the goodness of God that rests upon our life because we're in Christ and rests upon our life to another level altogether when the word doesn't go in one ear and come out the other, but we begin to put it into practice. Listen, friends, I know that we can, we can kill the seed of the word within our life. 80% of the people I talk to struggle to share their faith with another person. I don't know what to say, Pastor James. I don't know what to do. Listen to me. Every person you share your testimony with is hearing your experience of what happened to you because of Jesus coming into your life. And my Bible tells me that we overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Nobody can dispute your story. You don't have to be a great theologian. You don't have to know, you don't have to know all the excuses and reasons, etc., etc. All you need to know is that Jesus became real to me. He turned my life upside down and you can know Him too. Would you like me to pray for you? Would you like me to bless your life today? But you see, when we never share our faith, there's a gnawing, 
that goes on inside of us because we know this is an area where we've been a hearer only and not a doer also. And we've been robbed of the blessing in that part of our life. You know, God gives you an opening. You could drive a bus through it. You could drive a crane through it to share your, share your testimony with somebody. And you go, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what to say. Now, I'm not mocking you and I'm not mocking me because I've missed opportunities just like you have as well. I know what that feels like. But I want to tell you, if we can reclaim these areas within our life of acting upon the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, you can know the power of God's blessing within your life by sharing your testimony and your story. If they reject you, that's not on you. That's on them. All you have to be is you're the postman. You're just delivering the mail. If they don't want to open the envelope, that's on them, not on you. But you can faithfully share the great story of what God has done within your life. I love what Charles Spurgeon once said. He said, there's no saint here who can out-believe God. You know why? Because God has never out-promised himself yet. God has never out-promised himself yet. This can be your experience and my experience. The end of this chapter tells the wonderful story. It's a bit gory, and it would be R-rated if we had it on screen this morning. But David took the giant's own sword, and he cut off his head. And you know what that did? It sparked a revival. One man acting on the word sparked a revival. One man. You know what else it did? It put fear into their enemies. The story goes of Smith Wigglesworth, the great preacher, who got disturbed in the middle of the night. He woke up, and there at the end of the bed was the devil himself. Trying to look as trying to look as horrific as he possibly could to scare the living daylights out of Smith Wigglesworth. Do you know what Smith Wigglesworth, he said, oh, it's only you, and he rolled over and went back to sleep. Because <laughs> the truth is, a man or a woman of God who acts upon the word of God and becomes a doer of the word commands a life of blessing that puts fear into our enemies, and our enemies begin to flee, just like the Philistines did that day. But you know what else it did? It so encouraged the whole nation that they all rose. The Bible says they all rose together. The whole nation rose to its feet because of one 17-year-old kid who became a doer of the Word. And a whole nation experienced the revival of God and they chased the Philistines down. They plundered their goods. Isn't it time we did some plundering for the kingdom of God and stole back what the enemy's taken from us and bring it back into the house of God? Why don't we stand to our feet this morning, please?